collapses the plan and then it goes away financially. It, it, depend, it depends on quarterback play, and they had some decent quarterback play in the USFL. But we're live right now, Daily. Take it away. Here we are. Hey, folks, this is Daily Fish coming to you from Myrtle Beach and Las Vegas. I'm John Daly coming to you tonight from Wallace, North Carolina at River Landing Golf Course, where I just participated in the Hope for the Warrior Celebrity Golf Event. We're going to tell you more about that later. He is Eric Fish Schneider coming to us from Las Vegas. And we also have the hard line, John Hardison of the Cost of Winning podcast, who does all of our sports betting for us. And today, our special guest is Chris Landry. Chris is one of our favorite football experts. He's been on the show before, and we're going to talk about the upcoming NFL season and the college football season. To find out more about Chris, go to LandryFootball.com. Chris, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Oh, great to be with you guys. It's uh, great to have football back. Heck, we're going into week two of the – well, the week one of the college season, and, you know, we've got a cut-down day, and uh, we'll be ready to kick it off for good in the NFL in the end of week. So it's a great time of year. We want to we- – Oh, sorry, John. We want to jump into all that, but just quickly, because the news just passed, we were kind of expecting it. Uh, Len Dawson, former quarterback uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, as well as a great broadcaster in the business. Can, can you talk a little bit about uh, the passing of Len Dawson? You know, one of the one of the greats and, uh, you know, a Purdue legend and a great, great player. You know, he's I, I, the thing I think of, of, of when I think of Len Dawson, there are a number of things I think of. First of all, great player. Uh, and then I don't know how many, you know, people out there in the listening audience will remember, but today where you have all the highlights and everything is immediate, there was a point in time where he and Nick Bonacani were on this HBL, which, you know, people couldn't pronounce <laughs> it. And it was like, you'd get it in midweek. You'd see the NFL film highlights and you're watching that scene. Wow. I get, because prior to that, you saw just a couple of clips on Monday Night Football. You'd, you'd have nothing. And it was just it was just heaven to see detailed clips of the game. So if you're a Viking fan living in Louisiana or whatever, you can, you can see that. So I, I remember that. But it, one of the things I laugh with them and, and how things have changed, there is this vintage photo in Super Bowl I. It wasn't even called Super Bowl I. It was not even called the Super Bowl then. He's sitting on a wooden bench. I mean, that, that was the sitting on a wooden bench at halftime with a cigarette, just, just <laughs> a deep draw. And it was like, people don't realize that's kind of the way it was. And guys showed up and they, you know, there were some guys that would have alcohol on their breath pregame, uh, you know, they'd have guys with cigarettes. It, it just, it's so different today where obviously everything is about what you put in your gut. And now you got, Tom Brady eating avocado ice cream. I mean, that's a that's a long, you know, it's, that's a big gap from where it used to be. But uh, what a great one! And you know, um, the other thing I didn't realize about him, and I found out later, is that I think everybody knows that in addition to doing broadcasting, he was the sports anchor for the station in Kansas City. But what I didn't realize, because I didn't live in Kansas City, was that when he was a player. He became the sports director, the the nightly sports guy while he was with the Chiefs. Wow. So he literally would go from practice and he would put on and if guys would believe, he'd put on his suit and tie and he would get there just in time to do the sports at night. Wow. And what a what a what a you know, and that's just very and, and I know it happened at times. I know Pat Summerall and Frank Gifford kind of got their start while they were playing and doing stuff like that. But that's how it was back then. So, uh, yeah, it's another sign of some of the old favorites that um, we're all getting old, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. Are you talking about, are you talking about this, Mr. Landry? You're talking about yes, that is it. Yeah. I think it's a cigarette. It may be a cigar. I, I, I yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't a cigar. He certainly wasn't a red hour back. Let's light it up as they didn't have success winning it. But, yeah, that's, that's it. That's why he wasn't yeah. on a bench, so he's on, on a little lawn on a chair there. Just you know what Chris Collinsworth said about him? Chris Collinsworth was on inside yes. the NFL many yes. years. He said he was so great that we never had to take a second take. Now you've been on shows before. Can you imagine doing a show that's taped and you always get it right? And you're talking about highlights and just a class act. I know what he meant to the NFL and the, the legacy of the NFL. And I got an NFL question for you. Breaking news just now. I read, I was reading while you were talking. Don't be rude. Jimmy Garoppolo took a pay yes. cut, guys. 
the six million dollars. I was wrong, Daily and Harris. We're talking about for the, before the show, six million where he can make sixteen million in incentives. He went down to like eighteen million, and in, in, because I think the Niners know, Chris, and you would know that Trey Lance not, might not be the guy. What do you think? Well, the the market, the trade market wasn't there mainly because they didn't have a lot of leverage. They went to him and said, "Look, here's an opportunity. There's." Not really that market for you. It's not like Seattle is coming knock on the door. And, and, and I think maybe they thought somebody might. So that wasn't there. But it, it's a smart move, I think, to go and say, look, here's an opportunity. We will put money into it. You you know, the, and, and his agent knows this, that the market for him is not going to get that much money. So here's what we'll do. How about stay here? There's a chance you can still earn the job. You're coming off of an injury. You might be a part of it. And you can earn that money through incentives, which, you know, in his confident level, he thinks he's going to make that. And that's that's great. Um, it makes sense. Uh, I still think he would ideally have liked to have gone somewhere and be the starter. But if that opportunity is not there and you can't get a deal done in the trade, I've been there. Um this makes some sense. So, you know, and it does give them some insurance. And what if Trey Lance is struggling early? What if they got to go to him? I mean, this is not a team that's rebuilding. This is a really good team that, you know, uh, needs to have not great quarterback play, good quarterback play, not make mistakes, play well around them. Jimmy Garoppolo's done that. In the long term, Trey Lance is going to have to be the guy and you don't move up and spend all that capital to get up and not play Trey Lance, but he may not be ready right away. And they're not in a position to give up on this season. And this gives them some flexibility. Card line. I, I, I totally agree with Chris. I think the biggest thing is to my perspective of it with Trey is you got to kind of feed him to the wolves. You kind of got to see what you got out of him. I mean, he's a first round pick. You're paying the first round money. You got to see what you could do. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be ups and downs. I think that Trey is in a hard position and Chris pointed it out. It's a very good team. And when you have a very good team, you don't necessarily have those chances to let a, a he's not a rookie, but a young star grow. I do think, though, at some point, they're going to trade Garoppolo. I think somebody's going to get cold feet sometime during the season. I think maybe a team that thinks that maybe they got a shot to make that push if they go for him, and I think they'll go. There's a couple teams that probably are on that level. Um, We talked about possibly Cleveland, depending on how his deal gets restructured, uh, if they feel like they can make a push. I mean, look, the AFC North, it's open. To me, it's an open division. I think that any team could possibly win it. It just depends on who gets hot at the right time, and there's a couple others as well. What if a a contending team starting quarterback goes down? Then a team that is not really considering trading for Garoppolo might be willing in three or four weeks because those things happen. So, yeah, there's it's not over, and eventually they're – it's Trey Lance's team and then Garoppolo moves on. But when you don't have that opportunity, as I said, you know, you kind of talk them down to, and say, look, let's, it's not over. We'll still pursue a trade for you. But this is something to where you, you come back healthy, you play well. This is what you can get. Um, and and it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And look, I'm, I'm glad he was able to do it and not, not force their hand and say, look, um, you know, release me. I'm not going to, not going to redo the deal. Hey, Chris, I got a question. Cause you've worked with young quarterbacks before. What is that like having Jimmy Garoppolo over his shoulder? Like what, what's the thought process that Trey Lance has to be going through right now, knowing that at any moment, if he does go through those kind of rookie blues, they might go back to Garoppolo. Well, you got to be careful. Uh, I've had a few, probably the one that's closest to this was when I was involved in drafting Steve McNair. But we had a plan with Steve. We said, you know, and we, we brought in Chris Chandler and, um, you know, then, then it was Dave Craig. We felt like, and this is my view, you want to have the young guy sit until he's ready. What you don't want to do is put the young guy in. He struggles, pull him out, then the vet in, then you got to pull back. Then it becomes a confidence issue and, you know, you want to have guys to have a freedom to know what you're doing. Now, here's the thing about it is 
and, and I get it. You know, let them go and learn. You can't learn. Uh, well, you, you, you can learn. And here, here's the way I – the best analogy I can give to preparing a young quarterback. It's kind of like, you know, for those that play golf, if you go out to the driving range and you got problems with your swing and you just go hit a bucket of balls, you're not doing anything. Practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. So if you don't figure out what your problem is and get better, then you're not going to improve. So one of the things that I always am concerned with with young players, particularly quarterbacks because they've got a lot to know, is they will tend to revert of what they know, not what you're teaching. Mm -hmm. And so what you do is you put them in that, you know, the fire, and they go out and they freelance. And while they may make a plate or so, they will make more mistakes because – they're not fully ingrained with what to do. Once they learn it in the classroom and then take it to the practice field and they're comfortable enough, then you feel enough to where you can take it into game situation. Then you can work through, look, you're going to make mistakes. We just want you to understand where your mistakes are and let's not make the same mistakes over and over again. But if you don't know what you're doing and you're freelancing, you're just practicing bad habits and so that's why there's no one size fits all. Play the young guy, let him sink or swim. I don't think that's the right way. I think getting him ready to where you can put enough of a package where he can learn and then gradually add more to the plate. He's got to get in there and play. He's got to get in there and get his nose rubbed in it, no question. But you've got to empower him with enough work enough knowledge, enough understanding to run it. Otherwise, I mean, why would you take somebody in a, you know, whether it's in the radio business or whatever, just say uh, from the mailroom and just go, boy, swim. You need to know what it is that 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 you're supposed to do, and I think proper training is important. I, so, and, and, and there's no – it's one game, it's six games, it's ten games. It's, to me, it just takes a while to, to – to get to that point and it's different for every team and every player. The one thing about this team in San Francisco is they've run the football. Their offense is built around the run game. Absolutely. That's the best friend of a young quarterback. So it takes a lot of pressure off. That's why it's so difficult. I mean, if you look at, you know, Zach Wilson of the jets or somebody's not good. Well, what do you expect a young guy to come in? They're not real good. You know, they're trying to build an offensive line and you get behind, you know, you're going to put a rabbit out of the hat. No, I mean, you know, it's just, but if you're a good team, you can come along. Look at what they've done in Kansas City with Mahomes when he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. You know, good team around them, a lot of playmakers. Actually, defense got a little bit better. They, So it, it's worked, and um, we've seen a little bit with Justin Herbert. Josh Allen really struggled as a young guy, but yeah, they got better and better. Why? The team's really good. You know, you put them on a bad team, and he's got to do everything. Well, I don't care who you are. You could be Tom Brady. You could be Drew Brees. I've seen great quarterbacks have bad seasons because the team around them is not really good. Chris, let me jump in and ask you kind of a dovetail on that. Two of the teams that I'm watching are the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they might be doing with their quarterbacks. The other one is Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. As I watched him so far, I'm like, wow, there's a difference there. Touch on both those, if you can, as far as who these young quarterbacks, who's going to be where. Well, I think with Trevor, I think having Doug there is is, <clears throat> is really big. I think Urban Meyer can't really messed that, that whole situation up last year. I think having that stability, I think Jacksonville's getting a little better. But, you know, again, you know, how good of a team will they be? As they're getting better, I think they'll be in, in more games competitively. But the key is, are you trailing the third quarter by 13 points and you have to throw it every down? He's not going to be as successful as if you can work the entire offense and you've got a good team. So I, I think there's some improvement, but his rate of improvement is going to you know, dovetail with, with the team's improvements. Pittsburgh's another good team. They'll get after you on defense. Um with Najee, the run game, I, I think, again, good team, tough team, always competitive. Now, I don't know. I think they're – Kenny Pickett is very advanced in terms of learning, very, very bright. 
I, I expect him to be the starter at, at some point. I don't know if they start him out. Um, I, I think they're discussing it as we speak, and it wouldn't surprise me to kind of what we just talked about. If they went with a veteran and then when you go with the young guy, that's the other thing too, is when you put the young guy in, he's not ready, go put in Trubisky. You put in Trubisky, you, you, you have a veteran, the locker room knows you've given the guy a chance. Then when you go to the young guy, you go to the young guy and you don't look back. Whereas if you go to the young guy, you pull it back, it, 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 the locker room starts to say, what are we doing here? Who do we, you know, so I think um, that's going to be interesting because that's another team that's good, not maybe deep run in the playoffs good, but I think can stay in that division race. And I think they've got a good one. I think they do. Um, but I don't know if he starts right away. Can he pick it? You know, referring to you know Chris, you, you've been in coaches' rooms before. How disingenuous is Pete Carroll throughout the whole year telling a very, very, very smart Seattle football base that they're getting rid of Russell Wilson and that Geno Smith and Drew Locke could pick up that slack? I, I got a lot of Seattle people that are on this board right now. Really ask Chris about that because it's not fair to your fan base. You didn't go and do anything. I'm not saying Drew Locke and Geno Smith are bad quarterbacks. Just saying you're replacing a legend and you have a good football team there for the last 10 years. How, how do you – How do you? what's going through Pete Carroll's mind? And is that a reaction from the ownership and John Schneider, the general manager, and Carroll's just the face of that? What's your take on that since you've been in coaches' rooms before? Well, I think let's take that thing specifically. And, and, and listen, I would agree with you to answer your question specifically is that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying that that's the answer at quarterback. They're going to have to be so good around the quarterback – to be competitive. I don't see them as really competitive. So I, I, I'm not buying it. That situation is very unique because Russell Wilson, when they drafted him, a very good team, very good defense. They ran the football well, and the offensive line played well. And then Russell Wilson did not carry that offense. I mean, there were games where, I mean, he was – three for 14 and couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. But, but when it was critical in the fourth down uh, in, in a, in a in drive, he made critical plays. So he made big time plays for them when they needed him to, but they didn't need to ride his back, so to speak. It was more about the defense and the run game, but he was clutch <clears throat> when that happened. And as that team evolved, and Russ got the big contract. Russell Wilson wanted to be the guy, ride my back. You know, the whole Russ Cook, I, I'll throw that. But that's not Russell Wilson's game. It's not his game in Seattle or Denver. To me, it is what makes Russell Wilson great is the fact that he can distribute the ball. He is the best at field vision, when to run, and not ever get hit. He is the best at sliding. That's his baseball background. And just making you pay. You got everybody covered. He's going to find a way, and you don't ever touch him. I mean, he's just so, so good at that. But I think you know, a, lot of, a lot of times he wanted to be like the guy. Well, put it on me like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Packers do with Aaron Rodgers. You're not Aaron Rodgers. You can't throw it as well with, you know, improvisational, you are good in stretches, but you're a different type of court. You're great, but in a different way. And I think they had a hard time getting that agreed upon, and we'll see how he does in Denver. But in Seattle's case, if you're going to move on from them, you got to use your resources. They obviously have got to get better at quarterback because I don't think they're anywhere near a contender uh, close to it with their quarterback situation personally. You know, I want to do a roundtable with all you three gentlemen. I like a segment called Name Two Teams, one in the AFC, boys, and one in the NFC that didn't make the playoffs last year and a quarterback that's going to stand out this year and take that next step. Okay, I'm going to go first. I love the Colts. I'm not going on a limb here. I love the Colts in the AFC to make the playoffs this year. You know what? They're great defense. Addy Matty Ice is huge. In the NFC, don't laugh. I love the New Orleans Saints. I think that's a team – I don't know what's going to happen with Tampa Bay and our offensive line, Chris, John, and John. So I have those two teams at each conference grabbing a playoff spot. I love Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. I know they were a 9-8 team last year, Chris Landry, that went to the playoffs. But I think adding 
uh, A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans. I've just heard a lot of things from people I know that that team is ready to step up. I don't know how good Dallas is. I know the Giants and the Commanders have problems. So I got the Colts, I have the Saints, and I have Jalen Hurts taking that next step. Uh, Daly? Okay, I'm going to go with the Steelers because they just barely missed the playoffs last year, right? Didn't they? No, no, they no. made it. No, they, made it. they made it. Um, then I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Chargers, like you're saying. And then uh, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you on your first pick there, and I'm drawing a blank as to the Saints. On the Saints, yes, absolutely. Right. So, yeah. Hardline, go ahead. Uh, so I'll go with – I like Baltimore. I like what they have. I, I still think the AFC North – is a bit open. I mean, last year, 10 and seven was what the Bengals needed to win that division to get in. And, you know, look, they got healthy at the right time, but right below them in the uh, AFC North was Pittsburgh at nine and seven. So it's close. I think that division is still close. I think if you keep Lamar healthy, I think you still have the best kicker in football in regards to uh, Baltimore. I think that they've got a lot of pieces there that you can work with that they can sneak in and the NFC. I'll actually, I'll go with fish. Um, I'll go with the Saints. I, I will go with the Saints pending what happens with Alvin Kamara. I don't, we still don't know necessarily what's going on with that situation with the nightclub incident in Las Vegas. Uh, if he's going to get suspended, how many games he's going to get suspended for. But I will tell you, having Michael Thomas back and having Chris Olavier back makes two deep threats that a lot of teams don't want to mess with this year. And, and, and for the Saints, I'll throw then because I think that's a good one, um, Jarvis Landry. How about that for Very three true. receiver sets? Um, and then with Kamara, uh, you, you, I think the Saints are a good one. I, I'm not so sure that they're not the favorite in the South, particularly with until I know more about the health of the, the Bucks' offensive line. I, you know, they, there's no question that they match up well against the Bucks because they've got a, the Saints have a really good defense. So that's a that's an interesting team that didn't make it for obvious reasons with quarterback situations. The Chargers are so intriguing to me. They can line up and play with the Chiefs. They are as good as anybody. I mean, I think the Bills and the Chiefs, but I, I think the Chargers are really good. Gosh almighty, if, if – Brandon Staley's gonna gonna make me pull my hair out one by one. I don't like the way he coaches. I don't like the way this you know this constant analytics. I mean, I, you speaking of that game, they blew that game against. I mean, look at how many games they blew with just they go by this analytical book and, and there's no real football uh, intuitive qualities on the. So I I, I hesitate. Man, if you're drawing up the quarterbacks, we just talk about the quarterbacks. You got Josh Allen, you got Patrick Mahomes. Herbert's just unbelievable. They've got weapons. They've got the ability to rush to passer. Can they stay healthy? Can the offensive line hold up? That's a team that's that, to me, as a roster, could not just – I mean, they are a deep playoff run type team. They're in the elite category, in my view. And yet – it wouldn't shock me if they end up nine and seven because they end up doing things that just drive me drive me crazy as a coach because I see that they have a lot of ability. That that team is a twelve win team deep into the playoff team as a roster. So I think they're really good. And I'm curious to see what they'll do. Well, Chris, I got a question for you about the Chargers. So last year we saw Austin Eckler take a huge leap in his development. Justin Herbert took a big leap in his development as well. Uh, Keenan Allen's still that guy that's there. What does Mike Williams need to do to take that to make it to that next level? Because he's dealt with a lot of injuries, a lot of back and forth. Um, he was supposed to be that guy kind of coming out of Clemson. What does he have to do to to help his team get to that next twelve wins? Look, you got to stay healthy. That that's the 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 development has been, you know, is retarded his growth. I mean, look at the injury factor. You know, a lot of times you hear this that well he'll be back a week. But he's not back. He's missed all that developmental time, you know, so I think that's it with him. I think he's got all the goods. He's, he's got to stay healthy. And look, I mean, injuries are part of the game, but uh, being available and and being able to be developed, a lot of times guys are labeled as bust, but what really happens is their body doesn't hold up and they can't ever develop the skills, the natural skills that they have. So that I think is what they need. And I think the offensive line is, is, He's got to really step up to give protection. And um, 
certainly aid the running game. But yeah, I think those are interesting. I think the Colts will be interesting what Matt Ryan could do. I think I think those are some. I think y'all are on the the right track. I will say this. I'll throw another one just to throw something out there. I am curious to see how much better the Dolphins will get. Um, Maybe, maybe be the second best team in the AFC East. Um, I'm not not ready to jump on the table and say, look, they're going to be um, a a wild card team, but I think they can stay in the race. Right. I just got Jeremy Burnett, a big fan of the show. I like to take Dolphins and Vikings, and then Justin Fields takes a big step this year in a in a tough situation. You know what, Chris? Um, if you look at my background, I'm going to take, take this out so you can see it. Look at my background. Hardison and I are, are located in Las Vegas, and this is a huge year for Derek Carr because the organization structured a contract, Chris, where if, God forbid, he stinks and they cut him next year, it only costs $2.35 million against the salary cap. Brilliant. In a, in a new contract, we can make $40 million a year. Give me your take on Derek Carr. And since we have a huge Raider Vegas Nation audience, give us your true feelings about Derek Carr and the chances of the Raiders in that tough division with Herbert, Mahomes, and, and Russ. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he, you know, is in a division where there's some great quarterbacks. And I think oftentimes, you know, you get, you get kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, even in that division, that team, I think the Raiders can be improved and maybe even I would throw, would, would throw them out as a candidate, except how do you climb up in that division with the Chargers, the chiefs and the Broncos? I mean, they all have better rosters than the Raiders. And you know what? I think the Raiders are pretty good. Um, you put them in another, you put them, you put them in the NFC East. I, I don't know that any, you know, any of those four, I think, you know, all those four teams could win it. Um, but, uh, I, I think Derek's really good. You got to be careful. You got to replace talent with talent. I, I, I know. I, I think this year is pivotal, but you better have a plan. Um, if if you move on from Derek Carr, he, he probably upgrades a number of teams in the league. And you know the answer is okay, fine. I'm I'm fine if Raiders. I'm you know we're going to move on from Derek Carr. Great. What's your answer? Because that's that's what people often miss in the media and fans. I'm sick of the oh so and so, and what do you want? Well, I don't care. Well, you better care because there are a lot guys a lot worse than Derek Carr. I don't think he's the biggest problem, but I do think that he's in a tough spot because I think there's a lot of criticism on him because of the fact that he's not Justin Herbert, he's not Patrick Mahomes. And you know what? He's different and probably not what Russell Wilson has been. So, therefore, he's not good enough, right? Well, if you don't have him and you can't get somebody better that's in that group, then you're going to go from where you are to that much worse. So, I think it's pivotal. I think you need to be smart if you're the Raiders. The one thing I'll say is they've got football people running it now. I think Josh is good. I think I think they will make prudent decisions. I really thought. Uh, they were going down the wrong path when they had John and, and you know, Mike is was not qualified for the job as a GM. And I thought that really set them back. Um, and you've seen it with Leatherwood and others. You know, it's a it's a it's a big difference when you're talking about the draft on TV by virtue of the fact that you talk to people and scouting and they give you information and you can kind of put it out as your thoughts. When you when you got to make decisions, and you got to you know nobody's going to help you by giving you information. I, I think he was exposed. There's some players there, um, but they're not enough of them. And boy, there's I mean, how many when you have high picks and you miss on those guys, it's that's hurt that team and it set them back. They're a good team, but the opportunities that they had, you know, with good football decisions. They would be further up, and we probably in that division and further up in the league. I I think it's a, I, I think it's a little bit of a mess that they've got to clean up there organizationally. And uh, I, I know that they 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 really they were on the path of doing some good things, and then I thought the last regime behind the scenes screwed up a lot of different things that probably people in the public are not aware of, and that's really hurted hurted the organization quite a bit. You're seeing three heads nodding in agreement with you, 
there, Chris, that's for sure. Hey, uh, we are talking to Chris Landry. He's a former football coach and scout. He has his own co coaching and scouting consulting business, serving NFL organizations and college football programs. It's called Landry Football. His website is LandryFootball.com. Chris, I want to jump into a little college football in about a week and a half. I am heading down to Clemson to see Clemson take on Furman. I know it's not going to be much of but to me, and we talked about this on the show before, is that we think this is a this is a a year for Clemson to make or break. Do they come back or are they heading on the other side? First, what do you think about that? And secondly, anything for me to look at while I'm watching the game at Furman? Yeah, I, I tell you what. Um, what I'm interested to see is how will the offense develop under DJ uh, Ungalale and and. In order for that offense to work the way Dabo wants to run it, new coordinators, so it's a bit, but still going to be you know promoting from within. Your quarterback is heavily involved in the run game. DJ's not real excited about doing that. He's just so that that look out for that and how that develops. Um, the defense is really good. The defensive line is really good. Uh, look, they, they've got the team relative to the conference that they're in. They've got a pretty decent path to maybe making the playoffs. I think there's there's a big gap right now. I mean, I think there's Alabama, there's maybe a little gap, and then Ohio State, and there's a top two, and then Georgia, and I think there's a big gap. People ask me all the time, well, you know, this team and that team's ranked too high at four or five or six. Any team you put there is ranked too high because there is none. That's There's, there's three, and then the way I would rank it, because I don't rank, I grade – I would say three, and then you go down to like about, you know, eight. And then, you know, you just, just rank eight. To, but there's just – there's a little bit of a gap. Clemson could be the team with the talent level that could end up being pretty good. There's some other good teams, but Clemson is really talented. And let me say this, too. I, I'm not um, – you know, I'm not always the biggest fan of, of Dabo and, and – because I think he's really good as a recruiter and as an overall CEO type. I think a, a lot of delegating. I think the coordinators have been good. So that's pivotal. They did one hell of a coaching job last year. I mean, we think about what a disaster it was. They they could have it could have gone completely south. They rebounded. I know they don't play a, a you know a gauntlet of a schedule, but I thought they did a pretty good job. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do. And um, you know, looking at their schedule, there's there's not a lot of hurdles. Um, you know, I think at, at some point they'll, they'll end up playing Miami, um, and then, you know, uh, play Miami and then maybe play them again. Um, but, but that's intriguing. They, they may end up, uh, having to play Pitt, you know, Pitt's got a pretty good team. I, I just think their path is pretty good relative to their talent. So. Hey, really, really quick here, Chris, um, I'm playing in this golf tournament. I'm here in the deep South, ton of college football fans. The rumor today with the people I was talking to said that uh, Dabo is going to be the next Crimson Tide coach when you know who wants to step down. Is that true? I would be surprised. First of all, we don't know when Nick's going to step aside. So when people have who's going to be the new Alabama coach, it's not about who, it's when. Because, you know, if it happens in a year, it's going to be somebody different than if it happens in five years. So yeah. we don't know when Nick and I've known Nick work with Nick. I, I don't know that he's leaving anytime soon. Yeah. I'm not sure that it's going to be dabble. I think people have linked that for some time because played at Alabama. I don't, I, 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 I would be, let me just leave you. I, I would be very surprised if he would be the guy. A, I'd be surprised if that, who, who Alabama wants and B, I'd be surprised if they want him, if he take it. So I would say that that's probably not going to happen, but it's hard to forecast something that might not even come up for five or six years. You know, five or six years from now, I mean, there, there are other, I can tell you who, depending on how things go, who they like. But again, depends on what he does. If Mario Cristobal starts to turn things around at Miami, that's mm -hmm. the guy that they really like. But if he flounders at Miami, he won't be a factor in it. But if he wins, because – Great recruiter. They like him. I, I, I don't – Debo is not as well-liked 
by some of the power brokers. But again, who's going to be making the decision? How much involvement Nick will have, so on and so forth. When that's going to be, I don't know. I know you say quickly, and I I did a bad job of that. Well, no, no, you're you're good, Chris. That's that's a whole can of worms, and and I have I could go on and on about the Mario thing. My question is, uh, looking at what we saw last weekend with Nebraska, I'm a Big Ten guy, born and raised from mm. Michigan. Uh, they were in the Big Eight before, you know, became Big Twelve, and we we brought them into the the Big Ten, looking to see maybe they would add something. Uh, it's been a difficult ride for Scott Frost. What does Nebraska has to have to do to try to, you know, be more relevant? I mean, they're even on the weaker side of the bracket in the Big Ten. What do they got to do? Because I'm not sure if he's going to last even five, maybe six more games. Yeah, they the restructuring of the contract uh, puts the buyout down to seven and a half million after the middle of October. So, you know, if they want to move on from him, that's it's it's a lot less than it would have been. The, look, there, there are a couple of ways you get better. They're going to need to recruit better or they're going to need to develop better. And, and they have just been awful. They have, they've been, they're five and 21, five and 21 in one possession games. They're good enough to be in these games, but they lose it. They really do a bad job. Special teams. Now they got a new special teams coach, bad decision last week, but but they didn't even execute the onside kick correctly. Forget about the, the decision to even do it in the first place. Um, that, that Those are real problems. Um, look, you know, to me, if you're Nebraska, to heck with being the Nebraska of Tom Osborne or Billy, uh, uh, Bob Devaney. Why can't you be Iowa or Wisconsin? Yeah. You, you, you absolutely and, – and they're not. I mean, Iowa plays them and kicks their rear end from one yes, end to the do. other. <laughs> yes, they do. They've lost their identity. They've had no stability in the program. And it's one decision leads to another. I, I don't know. I don't want to – I don't I don't give a lot of hope for Scott turning it around. They want him to do it. But, but one of the things I don't like is – and I would like for them to be is they're either going to need to – Coach better and get better skill guys and be the more explosive version, or they need to go the Wisconsin Iowa route and get physical and start to be a man. And now I'm wondering if they would, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I would, I would, I don't know that he would take it, but you know, you could look at a guy like Matt Campbell. Uh, would he go, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and the fact that the Big 12 is no longer the Big 12. Now, Matt has really got a great future. I mean, NFL future and everything. So I'm not sure he'd take it. His dream job would be Ohio State if Ryan Day were to leave. But somebody like that, I tell you, I, you tell you who'd be a good fit. And I don't know if, again, he'd want it because if he he's likely headed towards a nice buyout. But Brian Harson at Auburn is not going to survive yeah. there. And he's got going to get a seventeen million to walk away. Does he want to coach next year? But what he did at Boise, and did, you need a better coach team and more physical identity if you're going to win in the Big Ten West, or you better out athlete those guys, and you better be better at doing it, not making crucial mistakes. They had look that Michigan State team last year. They took them to overtime last year. They had Oklahoma. They outplayed them. You go through all of those games. They outplay people. But they make the crucial mistakes. That's reflected on coaching. And okay. we're not talking about year one. We're talking yeah. about enough of a sample size to say, this is just that that was I thought that was a crucial game last week. And man, when they started to blow that lead, I thought, not again. And there it was. Do you think that there I'll throw you a name, Chris, and, and tell me your reaction to this. Uh, used to be defensive coordinator at Michigan State, head coach at Pitt. Do you think that maybe they go after a guy like Pat Narduzzi? Pat's done a good job, and um, he'd be a, another guy I'd throw in the mix. He's he's certainly very good. Um, you know, getting back to the Big Ten, don't know. I mean, uh, the other thing with Nebraska, just, just a big picture issue, is it's a great program in its history, but Nebraska was great when they were the only school in the country that had great facilities and they were one of six teams that were on TV every year because they Oklahoma Nebraska game was always on TV. Now what's lost is 
you don't need to go to Nebraska to have great facilities. You can go to TCU if you're in Texas, or you can, you know. So it's still very good. They've got great facilities. No fan base is better and more loyal than Nebraska fans, but they don't have the built-in advantage that they used to. But again, we're not really looking for them to be Nebraska of the '90s. Just be Wisconsin. Just be Iowa. Just be consistently good. But what do those two programs have that Nebraska doesn't have? Stability. Look how many changes. Look how many style changes. Look, and it just hasn't worked. And as much as people thought Scott Frost was a great fit because he played there, what's Scott Frost's background? He learned from Chip Kelly and the spread and the tempo. And I don't know that that's as good of a fit for Nebraska as they thought. Before I throw you something that really pisses me off, let me throw another name in the mix for Alabama. I hope it works out, Chris Landry, for a guy named Brian Dayball, who just got the head coaching job at New York Giants. But I know Saban's very high on this guy. If it doesn't work out the Giants, that's a guy I would say to look out for in a few years to go back to Alabama. Chris, why do teams like USC – I'm from Los Angeles. Why do teams – and you're, you know this question. Why do they always schedule out-of-conference teams that stink and then complain when they don't get picked to go to the playoffs – they have Rice this year. They're 34-point favorites, and they have Fresno State. I don't get it. you got Notre Dame and Ohio State playing this weekend. Huge. Why do teams do that? I know it's a big payoff for the Rices and the Fresno State, but how does that help the USC, who's trying to get into a playoff picture? They're in a weak pack 12, all right? So if they're 9-1 and one and Clemson's 9-1, and one, guess who the committee's going to pick, right? Unless there's a big payoff, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, scheduling um, is a problem. Uh, a lot of the reasons why the big schools do it, and it's mainly more the SEC ones, is because they – it's for money. I mean, because the gate is bigger. If you're at a – if you're in a 105,000-seat stadium, the gate's going to be a lot more revenue that you pay for all your sports, your non-revenue sports, as opposed to if you got a – 50,000 seats, you know, people going there. That's why they do it. Um, it's why the whole system is kind of messed up and screwed up. If we can find a way to take care of things financially to where you can have good versus good a little bit more. I think in the early part of the, the schedule, these schedules are made long time in advance, but as a rule, that's kind of why they do it. I think the one reason as a coach why you do it is it's kind of your version of a preseason. They will never call it that way. But it's a way to, if you don't play well, it doesn't cost you a win. You know, and then, you know, so that's why you do it. I think for USC, what's going to be interesting is just long-term is, it's interesting because talking with the coaches, and this is not your question, but I think it's a relevant point here. Um, They felt, and you know, the brand of USC is as big as anybody's. With the, with the money discrepancy, with what the Big Ten is making, what the SEC is making, they believe, coaches tell me, they, they had zero chance of competing nationally in the Pac-12 with the money they were making. The amount of staff, um, facilities, it, it's just like a fraction. They will make, they tell me, three times, not double, three times the money they were going to make from the Pac-12 contract going to the Big Ten. So they feel like they can now do what Ohio State does, and they're going to be willing to commit to do that for football. So I know that's not your question, but I I think long range in terms of USC, good team improvement. The one thing about – I'll say this about Lincoln Riley. His teams at Oklahoma were very good, controlled the Big 12. He is hyper-focused on offense. His teams, the way he practices, the way he recruits, they've not been good enough defensively. And when they got into the playoffs, they didn't fare very well. In fact, they just got hammered most of the time. Their defenses are not good enough. That better change at USC. It better change once you get into the Big Ten. Because, and and this just happens sometimes with these guys that are offensive head coaches, that they're concerned about the aesthetic beauty of their offense and scoring a million points and up tempo of this. You're not going to win championships, Oklahoma. You can win championships there. There's no reason why at Oklahoma, you can't do what they do at Georgia or Alabama or Clemson or anywhere else, but they didn't have the toughness at the line of scrimmage and the pedigree to match up. And I think if he had stayed at Oklahoma in the sec, 
he would have never he wouldn't have got to the point where he's making the national playoffs. He would have lost in the SEC. He goes to the Big Ten. It's not as deep, but man, it's going to be difficult. He's going to have to be, and you can and you should. You can buy, you can absolutely get some big war daddies defensively at USC and and become a national power. So I'm curious to see how he does it, but I think his philosophy needs to be adjusted because again, he was at a place that was elite. He's gone to a place that's elite. He could a place where he could recruit very easily to a place he still can recruit very easily. Has he learned? I'm I'm curious to see how that plays out. Chris, let me go in a little bit different direction here, and I don't want to take up too much time with this, but uh, college football is obviously changing, just everything you're talking about. Kids now are getting big contracts. They're social media influencers, and you know they play on famous football pro- programs. Uh, we're seeing a monopoly of the two major conferences, and then this week we see the Biden administration forgiving student loans for non-football students who can't make enough money to pay off their expensive college loans. Is there a change coming to college football because these big programs in the universities, especially those that have these exorbitant tuitions, is that what's going on in society and economics going to affect football and your business? You know, I have actually thought about that over the past week when the decision came out from the president. And I do wonder, because I don't know, to answer your question, it's not like we can go back and say, well, the last time we did this, this is what happened. We don't know. This is new territory. <laughs> I am wondering about two things. <clears throat> that the loan forgiveness to where can you take walk-ons and say, look, we got only 85 scholarships. But here's what we'll do. And there's a status with that. So some players don't. Okay, but, but here's what we're going to do. Through NIL – we're going to take care of your tuition. So you're like on scholarship. So now you got maybe 30 other guys that are not on scholarship, but everything's getting paid for. And then if you get loan for forgiveness, if that factors in, I, 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 and again, that's situational depending upon, you know, can they afford to do it? And, and I, I don't know if it's going to have an effect. What I'm more interested in is what does that mean the president's decision, what does it mean going forward? Because going that only affects people who have student debt. But what what is anything going to be done to affect the cost of tuition going forward? So is the price going to go down or the same amount? And then are they going to use that and say, well, look, are, are we going to do Because I, I don't know. I don't understand this. I'm not smart enough to read the, the, the bill and whatever or the ruling. If you go into debt in the future, are you, is that going to be relieved? Is just one time? I mean, there's a lot of things you don't know. But I think the bigger issue is what are we doing with college athletics? It's fine if you want to use NIL for players to make money. I'm, it's great. But you got to organize it. You, you, there is no structure. There is no organization. we got transfers that can transfer anytime there needs to be a window. It's college free agency. Look, I, I, I love college football. I, I still work a lot in college football as a consultant, but I, I, there's no doubt. I've spent 40 years now in the NFL, so I understand the structure. We don't do everything right, but in the NFL, we have a structure. We have rules. We have understanding of what's that. And I know it's different with 32 teams, but is a window when you should be able to transfer, how you're able to do it. There needs to be rules about these collectives or NILs and how it's distributed, how you do it. You just have to have some darn rules and people need to, to be able to fight. And, and we need to have some enforcement. I think what needs to happen is we need to have some form of a college football players association, like an NFLPA to where you do that. Because here's the thing that people don't get. They blame it on the NCAA. And look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm usually the first one to lynching. If we're talking about the NCAA, they, <laughs> they are really, really bad, but they have no power. And every time they institute a rule, they lose in the courts. They're in the billions with a B of losses of legal fees. They're laying people off left and right in the NCAA. We have to have a wow. system to where it's called a college football association or what have you. You know, the college basketball needs to have their own or whatnot. But, but we need to have a rule, and a, an enforcement. So if you break rules, you know – there are penalties for that, and there's what the penalties are. And 
we don't have that. And that lack of structure is what hurts. I tell people all the time, back in the day before the NFL started making a bunch of money, the Maras, Mr. Hallis in New York and Chicago, they could have said, we're going to do our own TV deal. To hell with you guys. You do your own thing. They said, while we are competitors on the football field, we're business partners. We can't survive as the Giants or the Bears if there's not a Packers. We, we, we have to. And, and, and I believe today, some of the owners today, I'm not mentioning any names, if they had their own way, they don't care about the league as much as they care about their team. But, see, that's what makes the league strong. And they sold the whole – and I think college football, the, 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 the horses are out of the barn and you're not going to corral it because the Big Ten reacted to the SEC. Though the, They're not going to give up their power or their might so that other people can benefit. You know, what's happening in college athletics, it's good for the Big Ten – it's good for the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. It's not good for college football. It's it's not. It's it's making the the elitists more elite and minimizes the ones. And so I don't. I I think it's making it. You know, maybe not as fun for now. One of the things I think could help it is when we go to there will be playoff expansion. It'll be twelve. It'll be sixteen. Don't know when the vote is. When where it's coming. But I think the lack of structure is the problem and the, but I'm just telling you, it's a whole lot tougher to convince guys that what's the best for the whole sport is to maybe give up something. We live in a greed is good society. And it's just, it's, it's difficult. I said, if the NFL were redoing it today, it wouldn't be as good because the greed would be there. We got owners that again, care more about their team than others. And, that's what's made that league successful. It's what's hurting college football. I think we need to we need to rectify that. I got a well, I got a question for you, Chris, and I know this is a, a bit controversial, but so we we talked about the transfer portal. We talked about all these uh, these student athletes being able to transfer and going. If you're a school like Pitt and you've got a guy that just came off of being an All American and talking about Jordan Addison, and he just walks away and goes to USC. If you're a mid-level school, how do you combat that? Like, how do you, what do you do in a situation like that? Like, how do you keep your best players? I, I, I don't, I don't think you will. I don't think Khalil Mack stays at Buffalo and, you know, if he's in the league, I mean, he goes somewhere else. I think, I think what's going to happen is those guys will end up moving on because here's what's happening in college is so Jordan Addison's of the world is, you have contacts based upon maybe you recruited them. You know who they are. What's happening is colleges are now recruiting players off of other college teams. And they're saying, hey, John, hey, Jordan, you come here. We got a bigger and better NIL deal for you. So you're Jordan Addison at Pitt. You can go to Los Angeles and you can get a better. Where are they going to go? That's going to continue to happen. And so the rich will get richer. And now, Pitt can go and get somebody from the Mac or get somebody that they like. And by the way, you know, they get a quarterback from USC. So I, the, the one thing you can do is all these quote unquote five stars that they all don't end up starting. Right. So if they go to USC or they go to Texas and they don't win the starting job, then all of a sudden Pitt's a great place to go to. Cause I can be there. So they have to go after those guys, but it's going to be tough to keep them because that's that's where it is, and it's going to be even tougher for now. Not a lot of kids in the MAC are going to be good enough to take the step up, but if you are, they're not staying at the MAC for four years. They're going to say, "I'm going to go and I'm going to get me some nice sweet cash for a year or two in college before I go into the NFL." Again, there's nothing innately wrong, but without any structure. Is that really where we want to go? I, I don't know that it is. Uh, and I don't really have the answers because everybody's doing it differently. Should we take it and evenly distribute it? I, I, it's a lot of issues uh, and a lot of problems um, that I don't have all the answers to, but I know that cooler heads need to come together and figure this out. 
Chris Chris Landry was not insinuating this to all the people that are commenting. No, he wasn't talking about Jerry Jones being a guy that's greedy. No, he wasn't talking about Jerry Jones. So he did not say <laughs> Jerry Jones. Now, <laughs> one last thing I want to ask you, Chris, and we, we, we have to wrap this up, is that um, the NFL does their top 100 players, right? It's voted on by the players. Can you believe this guy won it for the second year in a row? <laughs> I mean, look, he gained some weight. That's why he went on that retreat. But oh my goodness, he looks like he looks like he's got the mops. All kidding aside, well, all kidding aside, though, there's a big contract. We talked about Gruden and Mayock, and and it, it it came out the big story here. I'll make this quick: is that Mark Davis and Dana White they 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 were with Tom Brady he was going to come looking for houses, and John Gruden nixed it. How do you do that? How do you nix that when this guy is considered by the players two years in a row after that? The greatest player in the league, and he's forty-five years old. And Way Chris, to go, well, guy. we got two minutes, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know exactly what that is. That's that's ego. That is, if Brady comes in and they're successful, then you know Brady's going to get the credit for it. And I'm John Gruden, and I, I'm I want the credit. I'm the guy. I'm the king. And See? and you know now okay. he's he's gone. That's that's really what it is. That's why he did it, and it's why it's not a good move. Um, that's amazing. Forty-five years old, he'll still be playing as well as well as he. And if you can get the key, get good protection, and look, he may have another good year. Without it, not so much. But yeah, he can get rid of the ball quick still. So you're right. If he yes, has absolutely, absolutely. All right, we are talking to Chris Landry. He's a former football coach and scout. He has his own coaching and scouting consulting business, serving the NFL organizations and also college football programs. It's called Landry Football. His website is LandryFootball.com. Chris. We love having you on the show because we get so much insight. And then it gives the three of us when we talk off camera. Oh, did you believe what Chris? Oh, my God. This, so you gave us so much more to think about and talk about. So we can't thank you enough. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's a fun time of year. It's always fun talking football with you guys. But uh, it's really fun as we got a lot to look forward to. It's the it's the greatest thing to kind of see how these uh, teams and players will unfold this year. So great to be with you and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks a bunch. We'll have you back on. Chris. Thanks, Chris. You're amazing. Thank, Chris. thank you. Take care. Bye. So that was another good one. Hey, we, um, there was some, uh, there's some breaking baseball news. What was that fish you told me before? Fortunately, I'm not near anything now. What was going on quickly? Well, uh, breaking baseball news. We'll get out of here. Is that the, uh, Tony Gonsolin, the all-star pitcher for the Dodgers, went on the IL for 15. It could be 60 days. That means they're out. We're talking before the show that Bueller's out for the season. They could lose Gonsolin. And Clayton Kershaw's back is acting up. I've never seen a team that great. They're 88 and 37. What a huge record. Have you ever seen a team, gentlemen, hardline included, that had three starters, all all-stars, go out near the end of the year and win a World Series? If the Dodgers pull this off, they will be considered the greatest team of all time. Sorry. Greatest organization, to put it together. Hardline, go ahead. We got about uh, two minutes no, left. Haven't seen a team that's able to do it. Uh, we talked about this before. I think maybe they kicked too soon. But I will tell you, with things like this going up, I do see in the future – MLB maybe going to load management, and as you get closer and closer to the playoffs, you start seeing more and more pitchers back off, or you just start seeing them skip days. Yeah, or you're going to start seeing more pitchers on the roster. They might expand the roster so they bring more of the kids up. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. All right, hey, folks, our regular show is Daily Fish. It's live on Facebook at daily.fish.5 on Mondays, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. You can watch us on Facebook at Myrtle Beach Golf Channel and Myrtle Beach Grand Strand Life. You can check out Daily Fish on YouTube and also Wingding TV. We're also on Hey Vegas TV at Hey Vegas TV. Dot com And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, and Amazon. But don't you want to look at us? You don't want to hear us? Well, I guess they do. So they can do that. So, hey, guys, another great show. Chris is just so amazing. When we had him on the last time, I, I mean, he had such great insights and so many different things. And we're actually able to, you know, put a little economics and a little politics in there to see what his, uh, what his opinion was on that, which I thought was, was, was fascinating. He's so respected in this business. He goes on all the national shows. So to grab him is a coup for us. And we're going to be on LandryFootball.com. So go to LandryFootball.com. Check out the handsome guy with the uh, with the great-looking earring in his nose. Check out the other handsome guy who has people looking in on the golf. There's a guy to open the door while Kelly's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was great, great. Uh, Chris Landry's my favorite. You know how I love football. I mean, he throws things out. He, put, he threw Gruden. I mean, it, it's through Gruden – not under the bus, but what we all thought. And I like it. I like it. And again, guys, we 20, 
as we make predictions right now. I got the Colts and the Saints. You got the Saints uh, daily, and you like who else in the um, in the. I kind of think the more I think back on it now, I think I think I kind of go with the Chargers as the uh, as the team that's right. probably wasn't in it last year that could be in it. So anyway, right, let's get out of here, guys. Hey guys, love you. Thanks. Okay. Yep.